finding the root cause of your digestive issues. I'm excited to bring you this podcast today. Thank you for being here. I hope this podcast really helps you. I'm going to bring you through each step that I usually bring all of my clients through to figure out what's causing their digestive issues. So we're going to talk about each system in the digestive system. I'm going to bring you through each of them. You're going to sit there and you're going to see which one correlates with you the most. I have steps that you can take action with within the next couple of days. And what I want you to do is see if you see an improvement. The improvements we're going to be looking for is your bowel movements. We're looking for a good 12 inch bowel movement. Okay. Brown bowel movement. That's not so foul smelling. That does not go sink straight to the bottom. That does not, that is not fatty and oily. That does not have food in it. Okay. So, or diarrhea or constipation or little pebbles. So all of these things that we're going through, are going to explain why each of those stools that I just named are things that people see when they do go to the bathroom. Okay. So I'm going to bring you through each step and let's get to it. So first things first, when we start our digestion, there's an argument. There's two ways that digestion starts. Most people say it starts off what you eat, right? And then other people say, well, scientifically, it actually starts off within your mouth. Okay. At the end of the day, the first step is going to be what you eat. Okay. And when you eat, the first step of eating is chewing your food. Most of you don't chew your food for a couple reasons. Number one, you're too stressed at work and you're in a rush. Number two, you're at home, always in a rush, especially if you have kids. Number three, you have childhood trauma. And I know that one's a deep one. I'll be making a podcast explaining and guiding those with childhood trauma on how their childhood trauma is showing up subconsciously today. So what happens is when you don't chew your food, you put a lot of stress onto the rest of the digestion. Okay. So let's just say you take like three chunks of food and swallow all of that rest of that food is falling into the stomach, not chewed properly, which puts more pressure and more stress on your stomach itself, which then it may have to produce more stomach acid. Okay. So the first step is chewing your food. Now, when you chew your food, you're going to try to chew your food until it's liquefied. What does that mean? You chew your food until it's liquefied. And what you'll notice is most of you, if you're a fast eater, you usually go back for seconds because, you know, the person that you're eating with or people that you're eating with are usually still eating. If you're hungry, if you're stressed out, you, you know, you may be going for extras just for the simple fact that your body's demanding more energy. But at the end of the day, if you sit there and you actually chew your food, you'll see that you don't go through food so fast. Okay. So the first step is chewing your food until it's liquefied. Okay. Now let's get into the deep stuff. Number two, stomach. Okay, so the stomach is very, very, very important as far as when it comes down to stomach acid. Okay, so stomach acid is when someone is producing enough good stomach acid. Stomach acid helps you break down food and, and it basically kills off pathogens that come into the body like bacteria, like fungi, and you know any pathogen that could come in and do damage. There's actually, I'm going to put a lot of the references in the description for this podcast, but a lot of the world's population actually walks around with something called H. pylori. And H. pylori is a basically a bacteria that decreases or shuts off the ability for your body to produce enough stomach acid. Okay. That's one of the biggest symptoms of H. pylori. And usually people walking around with H. pylori don't have any symptoms, but they will have small things like digestive issues and not sure why. Okay. Number two, a lot of people walk around with low stomach acid due to the fact of them getting symptoms like GERD and them thinking that GERD is having too much stomach acid. So as soon as they go see a doctor or, you know, uh, they tell somebody that they have, you know, stomach acid issues, heartburn, GERD, feeling food come back up the esophagus. The first thing that they usually get is something called an antiacid or a proton inhibitor, which basically lowers your stomach acid. So for those people who are actually walking around with low stomach acid, 
pass it, they usually have symptoms as those that have GERD and they get the same type of program to follow as far as lowering their stomach acid, but they're doing more damage than good. Okay. And I'll have some resources to show you that. But what that can do is lower your stomach acid even more, which then creates more issues. Okay. And then going vegan or vegetarian is one of the biggest reasons why people also have low stomach acid, because if you're not giving yourself protein, the body signal of producing enough stomach acid to help break down protein to amino acids is no longer needed. Therefore, the stomach acid is not produced enough. Okay. And then the biggest one out of all of them is stress. Now, anytime a person gets stressed, the fight or flight system is turned on, which then the body does not produce. The sympathetic system shuts off digestion. And when you turn off digestion, you turn off your digestive juices, specifically like stomach acid. So you won't produce enough stomach acid. So you'll eat food and it'll just sit there. This symptom is also connected with a couple other, but one of the main ones you'll see is food in your stool. Okay. Like say if you ate some nuts, you ate some seeds, you ate some corn is usually going to always show up in people's stool, but you're seeing a whole bunch of food in your stool, like a strawberry, a blueberry, you know? So that's one of the signs. Also see if this person, or see if you have issues with vitamin B, zinc, and iron. Okay. Because remember, if you're not producing enough stomach acid, you don't have the ability to break down protein correctly into amino acids because the stomach acid, that's its job. Therefore, you're going to be deficient in things that come from protein. And the big ones are vitamin B, zinc, and iron. Some of the symptoms of that may be seeing white spots on your fingernails. Another one may be your hair just easily falling out when you're in the shower. Another one can be uh, just low energy being anemic. So when someone has low stomach acid, we also have to keep in mind that the stomach itself can create issues for those that have blood sugar issues. So if you're a pre-diabetic or you're a diabetic or you're someone who's on the verge of, you know, having blood sugar issues and you know that you have blood sugar issues, you could create issues with the nerves in the stomach. There's something called gastritis. You'll start creating a whole bunch of overreacting nerves in the stomach, which can give you issues with stomach acid as well. Okay. So one of the best things to do if that's your situation is control your blood sugar obviously, right? So I'll give you a solution for each step as I go through this as well. I just want to get through each so it's fair to everybody that's listening that may not have issues with stomach acid, but may have issues with the next step. Okay. So that is with the stomach acid. We'll get back to that. Number three is going to be liver slash gallbladder. This usually gives a person light sand slash pale bile. Okay. Also, if you look in the, the toilet, it may be, it's like a little oily. I know it sounds a little funny, but if you put the flashlight down from your phone to look at your report card, it's called a report card. So I have people do this. You look down into the toilet and see if it's like super oily. Uh, see if you're, you're struggling with any type of fat soluble vitamins, vitamin A, K, E, and D. Okay. Some symptoms of that is someone just basically having issues seeing in the dark at nighttime when on the way to their math or the bathroom, bleeding easily, bruising easily, low energy, depression from vitamin D. Even if it's summertime where you are and you're getting a lot of sun and you're still struggling with vitamin D, that may be an issue. Issues with cholesterol. Like I said, I'll be leaving a reference for that as well. Now, one, one of the things that I see all the time, all the time, even in people who are not obese, it's called TOFI, thin on the outside, fat in the inside. People get something called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And one of the ways that people know that they have a fatty liver is if they get an ultrasound, right? Or if their enzyme, the liver enzymes come back pretty high. But I know people who never have, because the liver can give you issues or the liver won't give you any symptoms until it's like 95% damaged. Okay. So the liver is a very unique organ. It's actually one of the organs that can come back 100%. 
And with the liver is a lot of people struggle with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or just a fatty liver. And most people, for the most part, don't really know until they get an ultrasound. So I'll be connecting Dr. Berg's work in this podcast description, describing the simple symptom that he says, and a lot of people say one of the ways that you can know that you have a fatty liver is if you have thin arms, thin legs, and you just got a belly, you just got a lot of belly fat. Or if you look at down your belly, uh, some belly fat. Dr. Richard Bernstein, I mean, a diabetic doctor, his work shows that if he does measurements for women and men around their belly, and if your belly beats your waist measurements by a certain degree, you can automatically assume you're having blood sugar issues and something with fatty liver. So I'll leave uh, their names down below, but I'll do the best I can to leave Dr. Berg's a couple of videos for you. Like I would attach some videos so you can go directly to those videos. And then I'll leave Dr. Richard Bernstein's YouTube channel below. One thing about Dr. Richard Bernstein is a little older. And I think his team that runs his medias, you know, just not as sharp as Dr. Berg. So you have to actually watch the videos to get some answers. They're not really as direct as Dr. Berg's work is, but they're great. If you spend some time watching Dr. Richard Bernstein's work, they're great. Another thing is um, liver disease, any type of liver disease. Okay. Gallstones or gallbladder issues and no gallbladder. Okay. All of these things can be a contributor. Now, here's the thing. Anytime the liver has any type of issues from being fatty or being any type of disease, the, the chances of you having something called insulin resistance is pretty high. Okay. So usually insulin resistance starts when the liver becomes resistant first. Insulin resistance, it's some of the symptoms is you're tired all the time. You gain weight fast. You gain weight around your belly. And you can be a victim of something we call metabolic syndrome, okay? So the liver actually produces the bile and then stores it in the gallbladder and transform, I mean, um, the transportation of the bile goes through a bile duct. What happens is if the liver gets in a situation where it's not functioning correctly due to being fatty, due to having some type of issue, the chances of the person not producing enough bile is pretty high. Therefore, the bile duct is not getting enough lubrication from bile, which then the chances of gallstones go pretty high. So if you look up diabetics, prediabetes, obesity, insulin resistance, and gallstones, the, the correlation is through the roof. And what Dr. Berg's work has shown, Dr. Richard Bernstein's work has shown, and just me studying this stuff because I am someone who struggles with insulin resistance, correlation is very consistent due to the fact of when people have blood sugar issues or they have insulin resistance, the liver is not functioning correctly. And then there's a chain reaction. The body is a integrative system. You don't isolate it. Okay. So it usually all works together, which then can start creating issues with the pancreas, which we'll get onto. Okay. So you have liver, you have gallbladder, you have light slash pale stool, and you have fat soluble vitamin deficiencies. So if you can, and if that sparks some things, take some time and Google fat soluble vitamin deficiency symptoms. Okay. And then do some research. Now, another thing is if somebody's not producing enough bile, it can create constipation and it can create fungal infections or dysbiosis because bile does two things outside of helping you digest fat. Okay. So bile is like wash detergent and it, it goes on, you know, a wash detergent cleans off the greasiness off your pans. Like if you just try to clean with water, it's, it's extremely difficult. But if you put some wash detergent, the wash detergent just absorbs that grease off. That's what bile does with fat. Now, when someone is not having enough bile or producing enough bile, they'll have fat soluble deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies. They can also struggle with things like not feeling satisfied after a meal and craving sweets. Because if you're not digesting fats correctly, your body's craving food due to the fact of not digesting food correctly. 
okay? And they didn't get the proper nutrition. Now, it may have gotten the calories, but not the nutrition, right? So bile also lubricates the digestive tract. That's another thing you'll learn from some work that I will put in the description. And bile also, if you lubricate the digestive tract, it helps bowels move. Now think about going to a water park and not being able to go down a water slide with water. You know, it's going to be pretty difficult. It's going to burn. You're not going, you're not really going nowhere, right? You're going to go down that slide pretty slow. So if you throw some water on there, you're going to go down pretty fast. It's going to be a good experience. Same thing with bile. And then last but not least, bile also is shown to recycle the good bugs in your digestive tract called your microbiome. So if there's not enough bile that recycle the good bugs and help the good bugs and help kill off pathogens and bad bugs, which is shown to do as well, then we can have an imbalance of good bugs and bad bugs in our digestive tract, which can give us a lot of issues as far as gas, bloating, digestive issues, which we'll get into. So I'll leave that work down below. The reason why I'm a little passionate about the liver is because that's me. I, I uh, had to do years of research with the liver for my for my problems. Okay, so number four, we got the pancreas slash enzymes. So someone's having issues with the pancreas and the pancreas job has two big responsibilities. It releases digestive enzymes, which are responsible to break down the big macronutrients, protein, protein, fat, and carbohydrates, okay? So if someone is having issues with producing enough enzymes or issues with the pancreas, there may be an enzyme deficiency going on. Whereas now your stool becomes very fatty and foul smelling and they can almost like float. Okay. So that can also be a symptom of not enough bio with the floating aspect. But if you get all three of those foul smelling fatty stool, okay. And don't be embarrassed. I work with people that are models, actors, your favorite people you watch on TV that have this issue. Okay. So don't think like, oh, I'm nasty or something's wrong with me. No, no, that's not the case. Okay. There's a couple reasons why that happens. Number one, if there's any issues with the liver, the usually liver issues also can contribute towards the pancreas. And I'll leave that below each section. So you see, I'm doing stomach acid, liver, pancreas, small. I'm going to leave under in the show notes, I'm going to leave you links. So you could do your own research. So I don't believe a word I'm saying. This is just, I'm just giving you an overview and I'm giving you the references to people who are more qualified than me to be able to give you more confidence and taking the next step on what you should do. So. The fatty liver issues and gallbladder issues can contribute towards pro causing problems with the pancreas. Another big thing is actually eating a lot of processed food. The more the dead the food that you eat, the more stress you put on that pancreas to have to produce enough enzymes. Also, blood sugar issues because anybody who has diabetes knows that the pancreas is, is, is has a lot to do with diabetes due to some fact that the pancreas releases insulin. Okay, so. If you're eating a lot of processed food, just know that that processed food comes in without any life force, no enzymes. So what that does is that that forces the pancreas to produce more enzymes to try to help you break down something that is extremely dead, okay? Diabetes, insulin resistance, and inflammation are other reasons why people will have issues with their pancreas. Now, what did I tell you? Usually, if there's something wrong with the organ, for the organ to be able to do its full job, the chances of being able to do its full job is going to be decreased in somewhat because the pancreas has a job of releasing enzymes. It has multiple jobs, right? But I'm going to be the main ones. Enzyme release and helping you digest food and insulin release. So one of the things that people that usually have enzyme or fatty enzyme deficiency with fatty fat. One of the symptoms that people get when they have pancreas issues is fatty foul smelling stool that usually floats and then 
they can be they can have issues as far as being malnourished okay because now you're not breaking down the food correctly which then this person is always hungry and then they're overeating and then they're over gaining weight and then it can create a lot of issues energy can be down they can have a huge deficiency of energy and fatigue that's another one okay so number five small intestines now here's the thing let's right now i'm going to show you how all these correlate okay so let's stop right here if a person is extremely stressed out you're going to have all these issues watch this if a person is stressed out if you're over drinking caffeine or you're overworking you're not getting enough sleep you're overeating processed food if you're just too stressed and stress can come from dysbiosis work relationships mental psychotic is some people that are stressed especially with childhood trauma or people who are used to so much stress don't really think they're stressed until they go through a crisis then they think they're stressed that's how stressed they are because stress can numb the body so let's go through this when a person is extremely stressed the body turns off the digestive system it's called sympathetic or fight or flight okay so sympathetic dominance or fight or flight when a person gets gets into that, the mouth first would dry out. Those that drink coffee, you know that this happens. Coffee goes into the body, produces adrenaline and cortisol, which turns on a sympathetic fight or flight, which then dries out your mouth. Same thing with Adderall, Vyvanse, most of the medication that you take. Not most of them, but a lot of the medications you take can create issues as far as when it comes down to your stress levels, especially a stimulant. That's what I mean, a stimulant. Okay, so we have the more stressed a person is, the more they're going to dry the mouth out. Now you eat your food, you turn off the digestive juices from your stomach acid, right? So now you're eating food and you're swallowing food and the food is not being digested in your stomach because you don't have enough stomach acid because you're stressed and your body's not producing no stomach acid because it turns off digestion when it's stressed. Now the food goes down to the small intestines, but as the food's going down to small intestines, since stomach acid wasn't released, the chain reaction of bile that usually stomach acid is very acidic, bile is usually very alkaline and they come together and balance each other other out in the small intestines to, and then the digestive enzymes get released when they see the chain reaction of stomach acid bile and then it's digestive enzymes when there is any hiccup when one of those are missing just one of them it could do it could be due to stress turning off the digestion it could be due to liver issues so let's just say you don't have any stomach issues you just got liver issues and you're not producing enough ox bile or just bile now when you eat your food stomach acid is good but now you don't have enough bile to what to even out the acidity to make it balance pH of the stomach acid, which then you have maybe just too much stomach acid or too much acidic food going in your small intestines. Okay, let's back up. Let's just say you don't have enough digestive enzymes. Now you have enough stomach acid, enough bile, and then as the food's going down to the small intestines, now you don't have enough food to actually assimilate that nutrition from digestive enzymes. So I gave you all three aspects or four aspects because I'm going to show you they all work together. So if you're missing one, it will create issues with most of them, okay, which then starts to show up first in the small intestines. Here's how. Small intestines become malnourished. There's some type of malnutrition going on. Okay, let's just say you, you're too stressed out and you ain't produce enough stomach acid, bile, or digestive enzymes. What happens to that food that you ate? Where does that food go? What digests that food? Think about that. When there's not enough, let's just say there's not enough stomach acid, bile, digestive enzymes, look at your nails and your hair. Those are the first things I'll have you look at. Nails, hair, and then skin will be another one, especially if you have digestive issues because the digestive tract is a detoxification system as 
along with your liver, your kidneys. So anytime one of those are backed up, then the skin has to take over and try to release the toxins through the skin. So small intestines, let's get into it. If someone has low stomach acid, what happens is they don't have enough bile or enzymes, which then puts a lot more stress into the small intestines. Number one. Number two, if someone doesn't have enough bile, they can create issues with the small intestines. Number three, if someone doesn't have enough enzymes, then they have nothing really to help them break down food in the small intestines. We're clear on that. Let's get to the next one. When a person is not eating enough fiber, and you can look at you can look this work up in Dr. Ranja Patrick. She explains this very well. If someone's not eating enough fiber, what happens is the, the bacteria in the colon start to starve and they'll swim up from the colon to the small intestines and eat your food, your protein and your food because they're hungry, which then can create one of the reasons why I can create something called SIBO. Another one, if someone doesn't have enough stomach acid and you're not breaking down your food correctly, you can have bacteria break it down in your small intestines, which is another reason why some people can create SIBO, okay, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. If a person is gluten intolerant and they're always eating gluten, even, you know, thinking like, oh, gluten's fine for me, they'll start creating issues in their small intestines. If someone is dairy intolerant, like lactose intolerant, they'll create issues in their small intestine. Now, we got to see which one came first. If someone took, if you have a history of taking antibiotics and you never replenished it with probiotics, there's a chance that you can create something called leaky gut or a fungal infection. That's not the only thing that causes leaky gut, by the way. There's many things. Many things of everything I spoke about not going right for you can create leaky gut. The biggest thing that I see is a fungal infection. In my experience with my clients, as soon as we, we put them on an antifungal diet, everything changes with their digestive system when I see symptoms show up in this particular area. Fungal infections like candida, what they do is they bore at the digestive tract, the intestines. And then as they start to, you know, get stuck to the digestive tract and you're feeding them, they're eating good. Then they start to break through the digestive tract lines. Okay. They start to damage the, the, the villi in the digestive tract, which then can allow food, proteins, and toxins to get into your bloodstream, which then could create a lot of stress with your autoimmune, with your immune system, which can trigger an autoimmune reaction. You can learn more work out of that in the book called How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. So there's a lot going on in the small intestines, right? One of the symptoms of someone having small intestines issues is take your finger. This is something I do. Take your finger and go one inch to the right of your belly button and press down and see if there's a lot of tension in there. Another thing is see if you have issues with your right hip flexor, your right lower back. When someone has issues on the small intestines, the inflammation of the small intestines will create issues with the right core muscle, like the internal oblique, that part of the transverse abdominis, which is the natural belt muscle that keeps your core tight. It's not going to be firing correctly or working correctly due to bloating. And then the hip flexor called the psoas muscle will get extremely tight on that side, which then will pull the hip into something called the anterior pelvic tilt. It will get the QL muscle, so that lower back muscle on the right side really tight. That muscle connects from the ribs to the iliac crest, which is your hip which then can make your hip like kind of hiked up. It can turn your foot out because a tight psoas muscle can create internal rotation and then issues with pronation or issues with your foot or supination. So those are the little things to look at. So there's a lot of things that contribute to that small intestines. And I don't want to overwhelm you, but when I give you the solutions to each, I'll give you simple steps that you can take to see if there's an improvement or not, okay? And then the last one we have here is the colon. And usually the colon, in my opinion, is usually reaction. It's the last step as far as your poop itself. But it usually reacts to everything that happened before it. That's number one. Number two, it's also, it has a lot to do with if a person's constipated, okay? It can affect the colon. 
Dehydration is one of the big reasons why people do get constipated. Not eating enough fiber is one of the main reasons why people get constipated as well. And then dysbiosis can create issues with bowel movements as, as well as that goes. So a symptom that a fungal infection can create with digestion, it's alternating between hard and soft stools. That's one of them. And there's a program that I had to take at the Czech Institute that is available to the public. It's called Healing Fungal and Parasite Infections in Human Beings by Paul Czech. And if I remember, I'll put that in too. I have a lot to put in the description from this uh, one podcast. If there is constipation, it can create something called pellet man, which, you know, Paul calls in his book, How to Eat and Movie Be Healthy. It's like just little pebbles coming out. And then the thing that I'll do with this side is I'll have you touch on the left part of your belly button and push down. So go to the belly button, go one inch to the left and see if there's any inflammation or tension behind there, any hip pain on the left side, any lower back on the left side. Now, here's some solutions along with the references I'm going to give you in this podcast. Number one, with the chewing your food, for the most part, try your best to lower your stress. Don't When you get your hour of work, don't literally take your work and then eat your food at the same time. Number one. Number two, when you do go in your hour of work, don't try to catch up on Instagram or, or you know TikTok at the same time or YouTube videos or email. Enjoy your food with yourself. Be present with your food. Try to be present as you can with your food. It's like five, 10 minutes. Give yourself the time and attention you deserve. Number two, stress, okay? The more stressed you are, the more likely you're going to be in survival mode. And I'm going to be bringing you a beautiful podcast about that. How stress and childhood trauma makes you in survival mode, which then when it comes down to eat, you're chewing fast for multiple reasons. Number one, you're always on to the next thing. Number two, the more stress the person is or a brain is under, the more likely they're going to be in survival mode when it comes down to safety and security. So work, safety, home, taking care of the family, making sure you got your apartment, make sure your bills are paid, right? That's your main priority, but it's like super focused. It's like your only priority. And then as soon as those are met, then the brain wants substance. So by the time food comes up, you're someone that can be skipping meals throughout the day, forgetting to eat. So then when it comes down to eat, you say, I don't eat a lot, but you, you binge at that one meal and you overeat more than you actually notice. And you snack your a grazer throughout the day. So you're taking a little handful of nuts here, you're taking a little handful of candy, a little, you know, extra milk in your cup, and these things add up. So you got to make time. Another one too, if you're like on a stimulant, like uh, any medication that's a stimulant, and if you're on, if you drink a lot of coffee, I advise you to do two things. Number one, drink more water. Number two, find a way to increase your potassium in your diet. And I will be speaking about that in another podcast and dedicating a podcast to that. But when, the, when a person's having issues with a stimulant, they dehydrate themselves. It's like a diuretic. And it's easy to get salt back in a diet, but most people don't drink enough water. But say if you're one of the people that drink enough water and say, hey, I drink enough water, I'm still having issues with dehydration. It's easy to get salt, but it's not as easy to get as potassium as it is to get salt. And potassium is needed to stay hydrated. It was one of the minerals that are needed to stay hydrated. So bananas is one of the ways that you can throw in your diet to assist you, especially if you start having issues with like heart palpations, dizziness, fatigue, muscle fatigue, and you're having, you drink coffee or you have issues when it comes down to having some medications that may make you dizzy, dehydrated. It may be wise for you to look into increasing your potassium. I know Dr. Berg has a great potassium supplement that I take. I just put it in my water. One scoop, put it in my water. It's a thousand milligrams of potassium. It's like the highest potassium supplement I found myself. So, and I make no money saying get Dr. Berg stuff, by the way. It's just something that I tried and I see help and I just want to make sure I help you as much as I can. Number two, stomach acid. If you're someone who's having issues with your stomach acid, with GERD, issues with seeing food in your stool, and you saw that the stomach acid subject was something that really got your attention, there's a couple things you can do. Number one, look at the videos that I'm going to leave below for that. Number two, one of the tricks that you can do is 
have like a tablespoon or two of apple cider vinegar before eating meat and see if you feel a difference after eating meat, okay? So you take one or two tablespoons, put in four to eight ounces, drink that, and then eat your meat. Now, you still got to treat your food. See if you notice that you're not as bloated and you feel a little more satisfied, a little more energy. And if you do, then that may be a sign that you need to supplement with a hydrochloric acid supplement, HCL supplement. That would be the first step I do. Second thing I would have you do is look into a book or just review it in PDF. Or if you really, really want to get a little more deeper on that, there's a book called The Importance of Stomach Acid. It's a good book that I read and explains this one doctor working with people who had symptoms of GERD that was diagnosed with GERD and taking antiacids and having a bunch of issues that start off with just GERD, but then now issues with fatigue, issues with breaking down, um, having nail issues and hair issues and a whole bunch of issues because not breaking down protein correctly can create a lot of inflammation in the body as well. So he had like 30 years of experience of working with clients with that issue and he made a pretty cool book. And then last but not least, no matter what you do, no matter what supplement you take, the more stress you're under, the harder it's going to be to be able to work with trying to increase your stomach acid or your digestion itself. We got to try to bring your stress down. Number three, the liver. The liver, I'll leave Dr. Berg's work down below. One of the things that helped me so much, I watched a video from Dr. Berg years ago and I had liver issues and I'll eat, you know, low carbohydrate diets and I, I still felt like, ugh. But if I eat high carbohydrate diets, I felt worse. And one of the things that he had me recognize is that if you have metabolic syndrome and you have a fatty liver, the chances of you breaking down fat is very, it's very difficult. And he said, you know, usually people that have that issue to, to try to supplement ox bile. You supplement with bile, not only would it help you break down fats, but it also can dissolve any type of gallstones that you have because the, the bile starts to lubricate the bile duct, which then can help dissolve stones. Those are his words. I'll leave that video down below. Another thing I would say to do too is to really be on top of your nutrition, to be honest with yourself. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I tried throughout my life to be on a high carbohydrate diet. I want it so bad. I do. I want to be on a high carb diet, but I have to be 100% honest with you. If you're not following my YouTube right now, the YouTube channel that I have with uh, Be Great With Nate, it's a playlist called Fat to Fit. For those that don't know, I gained a lot of weight in the last two years, 60 pounds. No, I'd say about 20 of it was good muscle, but dude, I gained about 40 pounds of fat and I don't eat McDonald's. I don't eat out. I don't eat junk food. I really don't. I love bananas, strawberries, blueberries. And one thing that I really loved and I had every night was sweet potato. Now I still ate healthy meats and things like that. And I'm saying this to say to you, some of us and I told you this in this last podcast, some of us just don't do so well with carbohydrate. I, I, I've seen it in hundreds of clients, hundreds of clients. Some of us get tired after eating. We have sleeping issues. We sweat in our sleep. We pee all night. We pee all day because of it. We can gain weight fast. Okay. Yeah, we can count our calories, but we're stuck four or five pounds heavier than we were from just one bad dinner. And you can make the argument that it's glycogen. Okay. If it's glycogen or it's water weight, that means that water weight or that glycogen should be off of me in three, four days. No, bro. The scale didn't go down. Some people can be extremely insulin resistant. And I say that to say insulin resistance contributes towards something called metabolic syndrome and metabolic syndrome works with the liver and has, it contributes towards liver, PCOS, belly fat, obesity, cardiovascular, and a whole bunch of other issues, okay? So I just say that from the heart from someone who struggles with that. If that's you, you may have to really take care of yourself and look out for yourself and understand that your digestion is a huge correlation with your lifestyle as far as the, the ratio of micronutrients you're eating that may be putting you in a position to be insulin resistant. All right, 
pancreas. If you're experiencing fat, foul-smelling stool that can float, the whole bunch of issues. Now, any of these things, if it's a real problem, I'm going to tell you this right now, especially with the pancreas, or if you have a real, real, real problems, make sure you bring any of this up to your doctor. Like that's extremely important. And let's just say if you brought this up to your doctor and your doctor told you, hey, you know, it's just IBS or hey, you know, just got some gut issues. Then then you continue to learn these things and take some some things, but uh, some pr- appropriate steps to try to help yourself. But you don't want to just try to look. I'm a guy who's all about holistic coaching and integrative health. And I went to school for movement science. I love all that stuff, but I'm telling you right now, if you go to a doctor, you can, and you have something deeper that's causing a deeper problem with the pancreas and you get that and they find out faster, that is, that's, that's life or death things. You, you want to do that. Now, if you already did that then good, this is good for you, but I just want to put that out there as well. Like, don't think like avoiding a medical doctor is always the best thing to do, or it's just, it is the best thing to do. If you go and they find nothing that they can find, then you take these next couple steps. If it's nothing that's like life or death. Okay. And I said that for the pancreas because the pancreas is an organ you don't want to play around with. Let's say, I say that for uh, foul smelling stool. One of the things I have you do is slice up a pineapple and eat that when you eat food, especially protein. Pineapple has a very strong enzyme with protein enzyme that helps you break down proteins very well. Okay. And um, pineapple also has some acidity to it as well, which can kind of assist you when it comes down to your stomach acid issues if you do have that as well. So eat some pineapple and see if you see a difference with your bowel movements. Papaya is another good one that you can add in, which is an awesome one. Okay. Now, if you notice that you do have that as well, it may be worth looking into digestive enzymes. There's a man named Wade Lightheart and Wade Lightheart. I've learned so much information from this man and I feel bad because I don't buy his digestive enzyme, but he just gives so much information. He's probably the most knowledgeable man I know about. I don't personally know him, but I know of about digestive enzymes and the importance of enzymes. And I'll leave his work down below. I'll leave a nice podcast interview that he, that Paul check had with him on his podcast. Watch that podcast, please. And learn from that podcast. It's going to be, if you have any digestive issues, you should watch that podcast. But specifically, if you have enzyme issues, watch that podcast. But I'll leave Wade Lightheart's work down below. And if you do have any issues, it may be appropriate for you to get a nice digestive enzyme to assist you. Now, in my opinion, for me, what I'm doing and I make my girlfriend do and I do with my dogs, I will forever, ever, ever supplement with a digestive enzyme forever. And one reason is because I've read Dr. Edward Howe's work who explained that your body's metabolic enzymes have to sacrifice themselves towards the pancreas to make digestive enzymes whenever we don't bring in enough enzymes in the body with our food. And he also explains that metabolic enzymes has a pool and there's a limit to that pool. So the more of that pool that you sacrifice, the more life force, the more life that you lose in life and that you can predict how long someone can live or is going to live for based on their enzymatic pool, the metabolic enzyme pool. So he has work, that work is called Enzyme Nutrition. I read that book and it blew me away. So myself, my partner, and my dogs, I put digestive enzymes in their food. Now, they're on a very, 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 very expensive diet as it is. They don't eat processed food. They eat all real food and they're extremely healthy, but I still assist them with digestive enzymes. So look into that. And last but not least, if you're someone who has pancreas issues, make sure that you're working with your blood sugar, okay? Because remember, blood sugar can contribute to insulin. And insulin is a huge contributor or it works from the pancreas. Small intestines, we got to make sure we take, we take care of the chain reaction above, okay? So let's make sure that if we have any of those, let's take care of that. Fungal infections, 
I would advise you, I'm going to put Doug Kaufman's work down below. If you have a fungal infection, dysbiosis, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put the Doug Kaufman's work down below. Number two, if you were on antibiotics before, it may be wise for you to supplement with a probiotic. A good probiotic as a human grade probiotic is usually in the refrigerated area of in Whole Foods. Fermented vegetables usually has very good amount of probiotics. And then we have prebiotics, which feed the good bugs, which feed the good, the good bugs as far as the bugs that you bring into the body and then the bugs that are already present. You got to feed them. If you don't feed them, they can't survive. Some examples of prebiotics are going to be banana, avocado, and blueberry. The, the reason why I throw those three in there first is because those three are the easiest ones that my clients can throw in their diet today. As far as leaky gut, I would advise you any type of leaky gut, you can look up Dr. Axe, A-X-E, his work. But at the Czech Institute, we learned that leaky gut's correlated with a fungal infection. So I think if you attack that fungal issue and you stay consistent and you supplement with a probiotic and if you do have a fungal infection, the only thing that you can throw out, you may not be able to eat bananas due to the high sugar content of feeding the fungal infection, but blueberries are, uh, are acceptable and stay uh, phase one of Doug Kaufman's diet. So you have to feel that out and you have to see which one's really a good thing for you. Another thing too is you got to be honest with yourself. You're farting after eating bread or dairy and you're farting after you eat rice and you're farting and you're bloated all the time. It may be wise for you to try an elimination diet with dairy and, and, and gluten. Those are the things that I do with a client when I first work with a client. We do an elimination diet for three days. And then we see if we see any improvements. And if we do, then I say, okay, which one you want to throw back in? And they're like, Nate, I want some dairy. I'm like, okay, have it. And then boom, if they have an immediate reaction, we know that dairy is not their friend. Then I say, okay, which one you want to try now? Oh, I want to try nuts and seeds. Boom, they throw that in. No problem. Great. Now, the last one, let's throw some grains. And then boom, if there's a problem. Now we eliminate grains and dairy. And the only reason why I say those two is because I see this every single day day with dairy and grains. I, I, I haven't met a lot of people who can officially, that have gut issues. Let's make that clear. that have gut issues that can digest grains very well. I just haven't. I met probably two, three people who had digestive issues out of two, 300. Now that's not to say that's you. I'm just saying from Nate's experience, dairy, I haven't met anybody who can eat pasteurized dairy and not have any problems while having gut issues. I haven't met a person yet. Okay. So we have the colon. That's the next one. The colon, let's increase our fiber. So if you are constipated, the easiest way we can increase our fiber is some fruit. Berries, as you can see, or you can hear, I keep mentioning berries because they're so easy to eat and they're fun to snack on when you're cooking or when you're on the move all day. And they're very low calorie, especially strawberries. Number two, drinking more water. Okay. So try to take your body divided by two, trying to aim for that in the amount of ounces of water that you aim for. 200 pound person should be aiming for hundred ounces of water. And then probiotics will help you as well with the colon. Those are the simple things when it comes down to the colon, okay? So as you can see, there's going to be a lot more podcasts when it comes down from me explaining digestive issues with you because it is a very, very, very broad topic and it's not something you can give a, an answer to one time. Because even with the main things that I named, these things could have took an hour to talk about one symptom and one problem alone in each system. But the reason why I'm giving you a whole bunch of references from this work and the reason why I am giving you two in a broad way is to spark things in your mind 
to get going because you are so smart. You can go do your research and you can figure these things out and try. The biggest thing is to try it. Have an open mind and try things. I'm not saying for you, if you look at every single step of a solution, you can see that I didn't say you have to buy my supplements. I didn't say you have to buy a supplement. I first gave you something you can add to your diet or take away from your diet first. Lowering your stress, having a pineapple with your food, drinking more water, eliminating uh, foods that may fire up a fungal infection, looking into someone's work. These are all free things, okay? So there's not to scare you on this podcast to try to sell you on something. It's to spark awareness. That's the whole point of this podcast, okay? So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions based on this podcast, you can email me at begreatwithnate at gmail.com or nate at begreatwithnate.com. And I can start breaking this thing down. Now, I know I'm going to have to revisit this subject a lot more times, probably like 15 more times in the next like couple months. I already know that's going to be the case. So be on the lookout for that. I'll be doing the best that I can. I'm leaving all the stuff in the description below as far as the information that I provided with the references and things that can help you so you can come to be the best version of yourself. That's what Be Great was. It's all about. Be Great with Nate is me trying to be great and I'm trying to bring you along with me.